Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So Romans chapter 2, looking at verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who did not have a law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bear witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse of them or them or even accuse them on, the, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judged the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Look at verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you have yourself or are a God to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonors God by breaking the law. For as it written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, would not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew one is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Some of y'all looking at me like, man, what is that talking about? What in the world is going on here? Let me pray for us, and let's ask the Spirit to God us to understand his truth at this moment. Let me pray for us. Bow your head. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for again, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us back again, Lord, to be up under your word. Help me, Lord. Help me teach your word faithfully. Let me teach your word with precision, Lord, and preciseness. That your people, Lord, that I care for, Lord, that they grow in your truth. They submit to your truth. So I pray that, Lord, your word go forth in power, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me in my weakness. So, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to allow me, even in my weakness, Lord, to depend on your strength at this time. So comfort your people through your word. God, your people through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
many of you guys have noticed what shook the world here recently, the, the, the remarks from Kanye and also Kyrie Irving. They had me thinking about something here not too long ago. I remember I was driving outside of Palm Bluff. I think it was heading towards Memphis. See my boy Dolph. And as we was heading towards Memphis, not to see Dolph, but we was heading to Memphis a while back. He was living at the time. And as we was living, heading towards Memphis, we crossed over the Arkansas River, the bridge. And I was pushing the whip. You know, my foot was kind of heavy this day, y'all. I had somewhere to be, you know. So my foot was kind of heavy, and, and I looked around the river mirror, and next thing you know, I see some lights behind me. I see a sheriff car behind me. And I was like, oh my goodness. So the officer pulled up to the car and for me, I'm telling Lena, hey, we got the, we got the Hemi in the engine. We, we, we can do this. Let me hit this gas. We, Sheriff can't keep up with us. You know, we can do something here. So we was back and forth, like, should I hit this gas? I better go on and hey, they can't catch up with me. But the spirit of me told me to pull off on the side of the road. So he pulled over and the police officer and the sheriff came up, walking up to the car. And he started coming up with all these questions. And first thing, he's like, where are you going? What's happening here? And in the back of my head, as he was asking this question, I'm thinking, oh, man, how can I get out of this ticket? How can I, how in the world can I get out of this? So I'm thinking, the whole time, while he was talking to me, I'm thinking about how can I get out of this ticket at the moment? So for me, the first thing came up was like, hey man, I think I know you. I'm trying to work on them, right? I think I know you. You look familiar. And I'm trying to stall because I didn't know exactly what I could say to him. So I'm stalling like, man, you look so familiar. Man, what's your last name, man? We might be cousins or something. You know, you played to some kings or something. And so I'm looking at him trying to decide, like, who is this? I mean, like, how can then I thought about somebody that went to high school with me, worked for the sheriff department. So I was like, hey, do you know a good friend of mine? I ain't talked to this friend probably since high school, right? 10 years. Do you know a good friend of mine? They work for the sheriff department. And he was like, oh, yeah, we real tight. We real close. And he said he knew that person. And he said, that person is really cool. That person like fam to them. I said, hey, that person like fam to me. Hey, we all family. <laughs> Next thing you know, the, the sheriff was like, I tell you what, man. Man, get on to Memphis have a good time. Don't worry about nothing. Go have a good day. I said, all right, cuz. And, and he let me go. And he let me go with the ticket. I'm smiling and everything. The kids and probably didn't have no seatbelts on and, and everything. As I'm looking back, hey, put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. I think Bernard might have got out the seat that day. He was, I think he was waving in the window at the officer, probably. <laughs> but in that moment, though, for me, I was thinking about how to get out of it. And I got out of there so quick at that moment. Very thankful. And that made me think about our test today. Today. Like, for me in that moment, I was able to be justified and be free from the law by trying to overwork that I am a good friend of somebody that he knows. So for me, I want to be justified. I didn't want no ticket. I want to get justified. I, mean, I want to be set free 
from what he had from me. It remind me of the test today. That remind me of the test today is that for this Roman church, you have people in that church that are struggling with justification in the past. How is one made right with God? And so for them is that through bad decisions, how can they get out of it? And my bad decision, I got out of it by saying I might know somebody. Here in the Roman church, Paul is asking them, are you trying to justify yourself? Or how are you trying to get out what God has brought upon sinful people, which is God's wrath? So we're going to learn today, the Jews are going to get out of it and say, hey, I'm a Jew. Y'all can't touch me. I'm a Jew. By being a Jew, I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm still made right with God. Huh, huh, Gentile, what y'all going to do? And the Gentile was like, man, we don't have a law. So we can't be held accountable for sin then. Now, ain't nobody tell me I messed up. So how I know that I messed up? So the Gentiles say, I'm free because we didn't know no law. The Jews are like, I'm free because of my lineage, my bloodline. Since I'm a, a Jew, that means I am free. So we're going to see these two things working on our text. How was one made right with God? How is one made right with God? If God is perfect, right? If he's the perfect creator that God has never sinned, he's perfect in all his ways, how can we be made right with God? The Jews are going to be able to try to convince us that to be made right with God because, hey, Jesus is a part of their bloodline. Jesus is their relative. And the Gentiles are like, hey, I don't know nothing about God, so God can't punish me. That's what we're going to be working on here. But before we get there, let me kind of bring us up the park. Bring us up the park, you know. You guys know when you come home, somebody watching a movie, you want to start the movie back over. Family, I cannot start back over Romans 1 today. Everybody going to hurt me in here if we start back with Romans 1. But what I can do, let me bring you from Romans 1 all the way up to Romans 2, 12. Let me fast forward. Real, I, 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 you know how to do that for? Let me do that real quick. So, Paul, he's the apostle of Jesus. Apostle me that he's sent out by Jesus. And that Jesus called him to tell the church in Rome. So the book of Romans is actually written to the church in Rome. It's the believers and believers in Rome. Paul wants to write a letter to encourage them. Some of you guys might have people that have sent you a Facebook Messenger message. Some of you guys might have sent messages from IG. A lot of them, you try to know, you need to know most of those. But somebody might send you a letter to encourage you. I heard that you got a new job. Thank to God, I've been praying for you. Or somebody might have lost a job, and they might say, hey, I heard you lost your job. I'm praying for you. So you might send somebody a message on Messenger or something to encourage them. Well, we didn't have Facebook Messenger in the first century. In the first century, we didn't have the, the, uh, the different technologies to send messages to encourage somebody. But what we did have, though, is that you would have people writing letters down and sending somebody a letter. And so Paul wrote this letter, and he sent it to the people in Rome. And Miss LaShonda, Paul told the people in Rome is that, hey, this is what Jesus has done. He died for the sins of the people. Don't forget what Jesus has done. And he also talks about, don't forget that you Gentiles, don't forget, and he talks about this in Romans 1, 19 and 21, for what can be known about God is plain to them, that all the creation testify who God is. He reminded them who God is throughout, throughout Rome. I mean, all throughout chapter 1. 
Paul lets us know that the sun, the grass, the mountains, all of nature is testifying to us that there is a God. We even can see it during the fall time right now. You guys notice the leaves falling down right now? Right? And But what happened in the spring? You see new leaves come back up. What does that point to us? God has pointed to us. It wasn't no coincidence. God just threw it out there. It was a connection there. God was using nature to point that one day Jesus is going to come. He's going to be dead in the grave. He's going to come back up. Even see with grass. How grass died in the winter and come back up. God is shouting through us the creation that God is going to come. Eventually, he's going to be able to be a, 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 a savior to his people. We even saw this in the Old Testament with the almond branch that was in the actual in the Ark of the Covenant. The almond branch in the Ark of the Covenant was the, it was this chest in the Old Testament. They had the Ten Commandments in the chest. They had a little manna in the chest. And they also had a branch that budded almonds. And this chest represented who Jesus is. The Ten Commandments is his essence, right? But also the manna, Jesus is the true bread of life. But also we know too in, in that chest with the almond. It was an almond branch that was dead that all of a sudden that branch came to life and produced almonds. So creation that Paul was telling the Gentile that creation had testified there to God. But also for the Jews, Paul has shared with us in Romans 2, 1 through 11, that the law testifies of God standard, but mankind has broke the law. So now in our test today, Paul is about to go further because he wanted it to be, he wanted to hit home that all were in the same way, all was heading to the same way to meet God's wrath. So Paul know that some will still try to convince themselves of their own self-righteousness. So Paul is going to pretty much say here today that, hey, none of y'all righteous. You, you cannot try to use all of these things to make yourself right before God, that none of y'all are righteous. And how are you going to do it today? He's going to do it in three points today. The first point is going to be, you can't blame your sinful life on not having the law. On verses 12 through 16. Point number two is going to be, you don't have freedom to sin since you tell people about the law. And number three, you can't bank on your salvation on being a Jew. So jump to point number one. You can't blame your sinful life on not having the law. Look in verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. Paul comes out of the gate to let us know that, that those that have sinned without the law will perish. How is that word that makes sense? How can we perish when we didn't even have the law? How does it even make sense? Well, let me describe here, though. There's two set of people here. You have a Jew. Again, you have a Gentile. The Jews were given God's set of rules. The Jews were the people of Israel. It was a certain lineage of people that are part of the, uh, uh, of the lineage of uh, Jacob. Now, anyone that wasn't on the lineage of Jacob was called a Gentile. So you have two people, two people, set of people in the world. And still today, we got two set of people. We have Jews in the world, and we have Gentile. We have Jews and Gentile. Okay? The Jews will be the one that God had given them a law. He gave them the scriptures in the Old Testament to keep these laws. 
The Gentiles are the one that wasn't given the same laws written down as the Jews. But the scripture tells us that in verse 12a, that the Gentile will perish without the law. Paul's focal point would be that the Gentile, in the next several verses, this is why he's saying that everybody appears without the law. But he doesn't just start quickly, just starting going in on the Gentile. He mentioned this in the rest of verse 12. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So he said those that do not have the law will perish, and those who under the law will perish as well. Paul throw that in under law as well. So the Jews and Gentiles won't start fighting at this moment. Because remember that the Roman church is full of Jews and Gentiles. If Paul said that the Gentile would pray without the law and not say anything about the Jews, it can easily cause some tension in the church. So the Jews can say, hey, y'all can pray without the law. We got the law, we good. And Paul come back and say, no, nah, y'all ain't good either. That y'all had the law and y'all have disobeyed the law, so y'all perish. So Paul is letting them know that, hey, both of y'all gonna perish. So Paul continued talking to the Jews in verse 13. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So the Jews having the law doesn't save them. But they are called to keep the law, and they haven't kept the law. They are guilty of breaking the law. But Paul quickly jumped back over to the Gentiles in verse 14. This is where Paul wants to say that for just a moment in verse 14. Look at verse 14. He makes it clear the Jews were paired like the Gentiles for, for having and not having the law. Look at verse 14 now. For when Gentiles who do not have a law, now he's explaining to them, okay, this is why y'all going to perish. He explaining why y'all going to perish that the, the, the Gentile that doesn't have a law. He says it right here in verse 14. By nature, do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on the hearts, where the conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even accuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judged the secrets of man by Christ Jesus. Some in this Roman church that are Gentile thought that they didn't have to have the law, so they shouldn't have to perish. Paul makes it clear that it's no excuse. It's no excuse that within nature tells you that's a law. People in our day might say, well, I didn't have a father in my life. I didn't have a parent in my life. I didn't have anybody take me to church on Sunday. I didn't have anybody to be a zephyr for me. That's the same thing the Gentiles are saying. We didn't have these things that they had. We didn't have anybody to teach us these certain things. We didn't have anybody to do these certain things. That's what is getting at here. Family. For those that are here that might can relate to this. Well, there's no excuse. And the reason why there's no excuse is that even within nature, God has indebted into our conscience what's wrong and what's right. Again, you can talk to somebody on the street right now that's never heard about the Bible 
And they went to work for 60 hours. They worked 60 hours. They worked 60 hours this week. And you go in and you go in their wallet and take all their money out. And they never heard about God. What do you think they're going to do to you? They're going to track you down, right? They're going to try to hurt you. Where does that come from? Nobody ever told them about God. They never read the Bible. So how did they know to come over and try to hurt you? Again, by nature, God has given within creation that conscience what's wrong and what's right. And that's stealing, right? This person knows that's wrong. They worked this whole time. Even if you go somewhere around to another country in the world. And you could see somebody and somebody's going to steal off them. This is stealing somebody, right? For no reason. Somebody's going to react. We're like, what are you doing? Where does that come from? God has given within creation for us to be able to know what's wrong and what's right. You might ask, like, Kristen, what do you mean then? Well, God has given all to us the two things here. To love God and love neighbor. Love God and love neighbor. These two things are summed up in, well, they, are, they sum up the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments? Don't put no other God before me. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Under the Sabbath. What's the other six on the commandments? Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not covet. If you, if you notice within those Ten Commandments, the first four commandments dealing with loving God. The last six commandments dealing with how we love each other. You see that? So even with Adam and Eve, they was given to that. Adam was to love God and also love his neighbor. Who was Adam's neighbor? Eve. Before the Ten Commandments was even given, God was already given to them to love God and love neighbor. Again, family, if you go to any place in the far jungle in Africa that never heard the Bible, and you meet some people there, and you go take something from them that they hunted for, for all day, they're going to try to hurt you. Because God has given to all creation to love God and love neighbor. So nature has always testified there's a God. So the atheists and people that try to suppress the truth and try to say there's not a God, they know it's a God, but they suppress that truth. Because one thing you know about there's a God, now you got to submit to that. You guys know it. Some of y'all raised up in them good houses, you ain't never get whoopings. I raised up in the house, I got whoopings every day. All right? By getting a whooping and everything, one way I get out of whooping is I play the game, I don't know. And so my dad and my mom might say, why did you do this? I didn't know that was wrong. And that always would get me out of trouble that I didn't hear you say that. I didn't see you hear that. I didn't know it. That was one of the things that would do that. Did I know, right? I knew what my dad and my mom said, but for me in that moment, I didn't want to have to face my, God, my, my dad's wrath or my mom's wrath so what I said, I didn't know. The same thing we do with God. We suppress the truth. We act like, we play like we don't know certain things, so we want to meet the wrath of God. I didn't know that was wrong. But God tells us in the scriptures that you did know. And God's saying is that since you did know, you have suppressed the truth because you're trying to manipulate me just like you manipulate your parents. And God is saying, 
I'm smarter than your mom and your dad. You might be able to get up on them, but I see every single thing you're doing. And you will have to stand before me on that judgment day. And you try to make those excuses, those same excuses, those are the same thing I'm going to use to condemn you with. So for us in this room, they say, well, I didn't have this. I didn't have, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't have um, someone to teach me about. I didn't have these certain things. God is telling us now in the scriptures, though, is that you can come know him, but God is not having those things. So the first part of this and point, the first point uh, here that we talked about was that that you can't blame your sinful life for not having the law. We can't blame that. God has given us enough through creation. Point number two. Two going to go a little bit faster. You don't have the freedom to sin since you tell people about the law. So the people, what about the people now that do have the law? Look in verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew, Paul switches to the Jews now. Because now Paul has been, you know, I don't know if y'all been watching Boston. I'm, I'm a really big, you know, Terrence Crawford fan right now. I like Crawford. I like Spence. Paul is throwing them jabs at the Gentiles. Like, hey, y'all making all these excuses. But guess what? Law, the law has been written through nature. You don't have an excuse. And so them Jews are like, ah, he got y'all. So the Jews in the church like, ah, he got y'all. Paul said, hold on now. I'm talking to y'all now. Now Paul turns over now talking to the Jews. And he tells them right here is that, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, a Jew that relies on the law and boasts in God considered to be a faithful person. You're a Jew. You say you got God's word. You're boasting in God. So they say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Paul continued going with this. Look in the verse, verse 18. And know his will and approve what, what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a God to the blind, and light to those who are of darkness. So Paul highlights the great things about faithful Jews. So Paul is setting them up. He said, y'all Jews, y'all got the law, you're a Jew. You're telling everybody what's right. They're like, yeah, that's me. I'm telling everybody what's right. I'm a Jew. I'm doing things right. Them Gentiles got it wrong. Paul is steady asking them. But Paul is setting them up for something here. Look in verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While preaching against, stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob temples? These questions put the Jewish teacher in the seat of the student. Normally the Jewish teacher is telling people not to steal nor commit adultery. But now Paul highlights how some Jews have not kept the same law that they taught to others. We know that by verse 23. You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. Wow. Some Jews did all this talking. I went to church. I know this amount of scriptures. Hey, my mama, my grandma was this Christian. Oh, my great, 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 great granddaddy was this Christian. He was a great pastor. We are part of the same lineage. All these good people. I tell people, hey, you know what you're doing is wrong. I tell people what they need to be doing and do the right thing. That's who Paul's talking about. The same one that's telling all these people all this stuff about God, but they main one breaking the law. Doing all that talking. And they're the number one breaking the law. And what he's telling? They are followers of God in name only. 
You ever seen somebody say, hey, 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 you want a discount inhibit sports? You want a discount inhibit? I can hook you up with some shoes and everything inhibit. Hey, hey, I'll be at work late on today. Come by and holler at me. But what you find out they ain't got a job? They don't work inhibitors. You find out they was actually, they work inhibit and name only. They say they work inhibit, but they truly don't work inhibits. They're just talking. That's how a lot of Christians are. They say they follow the Jesus. They might know more scriptures than any of us in this room. But their lives are solely far from God's word. Paul goes and said the Jews have blasphemed the name of God before the Gentiles. Blasphemed this with this slander or insult the name of God. So Paul goes that you guys have went, y'all are worse than the Gentiles that didn't have a law and might have broke the law. Y'all had the law and y'all still broke the law. These Jews, what we talked about last week, are nominal believers. Again, nominal deals with being in something in name only. So we learned in point one that the Gentiles can't blame not having the law for being a reason that they sin. Now we see a group, a group of people that did have the law and sin as well. So Paul is getting it right here. It's these same Jews. The same Jews that probably point fingers in the Roman church. Hey, look, <laughs> y'all didn't keep the law. Paul down and said, hey, y'all had the law and y'all didn't keep it. So I'm pretty sure right now the church in Rome is quiet. It's very quiet right now because everybody in the room, Jews and Gentiles, said, no, we have broke the law. We have broke the law. That's what Paul is getting at here. And these are a group of believers are in this Roman church. He was reminding them where they came from, that this is who they were. And as they understand who they were, they can be grateful for what God has done for them. Knowing that you were a Gentile that sinned, knowing that you were a Jew that had the law that sinned, now they see that the only hope they have is the gospel. But Paul is letting them sit in there for a minute. Paul is letting them see who they are for a minute. Then Paul is going to bring it back around again and let them know that it was the gospel that saves you, not cherish the gospel. Point number three as we end. You can, can't bank your salvation on being a Jew again. 25 to 29. Now Paul transitioned to an example of one boasting in, in the law. The example Paul uses is circumcision. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel have to be circumcised. This was God's way of identifying the people that were committed to him. So they would take a child, a male child, they would circumcise his foreskin on the eighth day. There was a picture of these are God's people. They are different from other people. And these people right here was called God covenant Jewish people. Example of this is what's been in the media. Kanye kind of mentioned about the Jews. He mentioned that the Jews and what he was getting at, that take a look at the black Hebrew Israelites, that a lot of the Jews that we see that are Caucasian, they're not the real Jews. Then Kyrie Irving kind of posted a documentary about Hebrew, Hebrews to Negroes. And he kind of pointed a picture that the Hebrew people are actually the Negro people. 
And actually, what it comes is that if that's the case, then the Hebrew people get some type of benefit. This shook up the whole world. Because it's some type of privilege that people think by being a Jew, you get a certain privilege. You get a certain blessing. You get these certain things. So by being circumcised, you're part of this Jewish people. And what they put out, it shook up the world. It offended those Jews that were Caucasian and saying that, no, we're the true Jews. And this other group is actually a hatred group. So now we see this world a turn now. One group said they're the real Hebrews. One group said they're the real Hebrews. And it just shook up the world. Why do people want to be the Hebrews? Why do people want to be Jews? Because they feel like the Jews are going to be able to get all these promises that God has promised in the Old Testament. And Paul kind of know how the Jews are thinking even in the church here in this church in Rome. So what did Paul do? Look at verse 25. So if a man who is uncircumcised keep the precepts of the law, would not his circumcision be regarded as circumcision? So to be an actual Jew, you have to be circumcised. Now Paul is saying, what about somebody that's uncircumcised and keeps the law? What about them? Now he gives a troubling question to the Jews then. Okay, Jews, y'all got all these benefits y'all supposed to be getting? What about the Gentiles then? They haven't kept the law. I mean, they haven't been circumcised, but they kept the law. Matter of fact, they even kept the law better than y'all. So Paul put this question before them. Are they justified by circumcision or are they justified by a true humble heart before the Lord? Do Gentiles get the things wrong by living a life of obedience to the law and not being circumcised? So who's right here? A Jew that had brought the law that is circumcised or a Gentile that has kept the law that is circumcised? Paul answers the question that is proposed. Verse 27. That he who is physically uncircumcised but keep the law will condemn you who have written the code of circumcision but break the law. Paul now gets to this is that those the Gentiles which is physically uncircumcised have kept the law that obey God's truth. They're going to be able to condemn the one that's supposed to have all these promises and these blessings or because of their ethnic background. Because the Gentiles kept the law. So being a Jew, having the law doesn't save you. It's all the old war in the world right now. Regardless of being white or being black or being Asian, whoever they say they're, they're going to be a Jew, whoever they think they're in the room or outside of the room think they're there, a Jew. Paul attendant. Being a Jew would not save you. Because being a Jew can save you. Why did Jesus come? If you can be a Jew and be saved because you are a Jew, why do you need Jesus? And Paul answered the question in verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. It's talking about the skin. The outside appearance. No one a Jew is one merely outwardly, nor is circumcision outward, outward and physical. But Jew is a one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Family, to be a true Jew, be a true follower of God, is a person of the heart. And no matter what your background is, and no matter who your parents is, or your cousins is, it's about you knowing Jesus for yourself. That's what it was getting at. 
So you got all these people saying, hey, I can treat people like this. I can treat people like this and I still go to heaven. Paul said, that's a lie. If you're not truly cut by the heart with a new heart in Christ, you're not a true follower. So family, be careful who you look at around. It might be some people that truly love Jesus and are struggling with sin and loving Jesus and they're going to be in heaven. It might be some people that got so much money, looking so upright, they got all these good things going on and they'd be so far away from God. It's not about what somebody look out. It's about the heart. And all of us in this room have something we're struggling with. Nobody's perfect in this room but Christ. Nobody. But one thing about it, though, is that for those that are humble and know they're struggling and know they need a Savior, those are the ones that are truly circumcised in the heart. Physical circumcision doesn't save you. It was actually an outward type that pointed to an inner Antitype. It wasn't about a circumcision of the foreskin. It's about a circumcision of the heart. It's about the heart. It's about who you are in Christ. Joel Beacon says this as we end. The Jew may have had both signs of circumcision and scriptures from his youth, which is the letter. But the Gentile who hears and believes the gospel and begins to serve the Lord from his heart, as the law teaches, will judge or bear witness against the unbelieving Jew. The contrast in verses 28 and 29 is between the man with the outward religious form and the written law and the truly born again man who has life given spirit written the law upon his heart. So family, who are you this morning? Who are you this morning? Are you the one that say, I came to church today. I, I, I did this right here better than this person. I checked this off the list. If you're that person, God is going to judge you by all your works. If you're a person that comes in this room, man, I messed up. I had a little too much cognac last night. I did a little too much lying. I was hot. I did a lot of things that wasn't good. Lord, I come before you broken. Those are the ones, the broken people. The Lord comes and rescues broken people, not the proud people, because the proud people don't know they're broken. Why would they need a savior that they don't know that they're broken? But the broken people that know they don't have their life together, that know they messed up constantly, those are the ones Jesus that came for. The ones that know they need a savior. For family, this is a church for you. Christ Redeemer Church is a church for broken people, not self-righteous people, people that struggle. I wish somebody yesterday, somebody out here and said my name was cussing. You know, but Christ Redeemer Church is a church for broken people that mess up. And these are the same people for Jesus. Jesus wants broken people, people that struggle, struggle with identity at times, struggle with what people say about them at times, people that struggle every single day. Struggling people is a savior for you. But these Jews were at times feeling like, well, I'm just a Jew. I'm good. <laughs> There's some struggling Gentiles over there. I'm good. But Jesus said, Jews that I broke the law, you're just as guilty. And what is he getting at in all this? He reminded this Roman church, once you remember where you came from, that you were broken, you broke the law, then you come to the point that you're not ashamed of the gospel. In Romans 1.16, you are ashamed of the gospel because you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand your sin. But now how Paul laid it out that all in this room is sin. Now we appreciate what Jesus has done for us, don't we? 
That's the beauty of the gospel. Let me end with some application. I saw uh, Jordan shook his head three times for me. Number one, we all have been affected by various things in this life, but we can't make an excuse for our sins. We all have affected by some way. We cannot make excuses for our sins. A lot of times we say we didn't have this mentor, we didn't have this parent, we didn't have financial stability, we didn't have all these things. So that's why I dishonor the Lord. But not having them th those things are difficult. They're real life difficult, not having a mom or a dad or a cousin or a mentor in your life. Those things are difficult. But still, God still desires us to honor him and know him, regardless. And family in here, young men in here, that might not have a father in your life, I would love to be a father figure to you. And young ladies that might not have a mother or someone that, to encourage them, I know my wife would love to be some type of mother figure to you. And not just me and my family. Many of you out there, Miss Kathy, many of us out there, you guys out there would love to be somebody for those in this room that didn't have that or don't have that now. We are people that we would love to be a family to you. And not just in word only, but truly live life with you, regardless of your background. But I would say this, regardless if you sin before God, go to Jesus. Don't try to cover it up because family, he already seen it. I know it's going to kill your pride. You'll be a little embarrassed, but it's a beautiful thing being honored before God because at the end of the day, nobody in this room got a heaven and hell to put nobody in, but only our Lord. So family, why be afraid of the person beside you? Don't be afraid of them. You can be honest before the Lord. And by being honest, those are one the Lord cares for. Number two, going to church and reading your Bible every day and every night don't save you. Only the work of Christ Jesus can save us. Only the work of Jesus dying for sinners can save us. So family, check your life to evaluate, to see if anything you're doing, saying you're doing X, Y, and Z. Well, I know the books of the Bible, so I'm going to heaven. Well, I've been to church every day this month. This month, I never missed a Sunday. I'm going to heaven. Family, those things don't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Now, do we want to read our Bible every day? Yes, as Christians. Do we want to come to church every Sunday? Yes, because we want to be together with God's people. But that doesn't save you. Only Jesus can save you. If you believe again, S, Y, and Z can save you, that means Jesus wasn't enough. If Jesus is truly enough, then he truly saves. Again, we're not saved by our cousins and being American, we're saved by Jesus. Remember that. You're saved by Jesus. And he chose you before you chose him. You were dead in your sin. So you can't boast and say, I did this. He chose you when you were dead in your sin. Last thing, Demond shaking her head now. Lastly, be reminded you're not saved because of how much you know. Again, you only can be saved by your faith in Jesus Christ daily. Trust in Jesus. And as you do that, every day you're living a life of gratitude and thankfulness of what God has done for you. Amen. Amen. Let us stop there for today.